Hey, what episode is this, Danny Wexelman? What episode of Amateur Hour is this? Do you happen to even know the answer to that? Of course I do. I'm a great producer. It's episode 26. Episode 26. We've done this 26 times. That means 52 interviews. Hi, folks. This is Amateur Hour. We're recording this show on a day that folks are celebrating the highest level of baseball playing baseball. The good news is college baseball was playing all along and high school and travel baseball was playing all along. Um, amateur baseball not trying to fill that void. Just glad there won't be a void. So just a great day to celebrate baseball. And, and on this show, I think you've booked two guys that if they don't make it to that highest level, that by the way, have worked things out now and they're doing just fine for now. Um, if they don't make it, they'll be leaders in whatever they want to do. And that's what I love about this show. They're both prospects. They're both pro prospects. Joe Lamuccio of Stanford, grad transferred, Ivy League grad transfer, who during the shutdown of the Ivy League, went to Florida with his mates and built his own league and built his own world. I love Joe Lamuccio. I love the grind of the intensity of the Massachusetts guy, just kind of gritting your teeth and you could just feel the intensity, just driven, really a driven guy. Well done on Joe. So this was cool. Somebody reached out to me and had pointed me in the direction of Joe. They're like, he's a fifth year senior academic, all Ivy. He transferred. They mentioned that his dad was a part of the Boston Police Department. He was a hero in the bombing. And so I heard all these things and I, I texted Joe and then I reached out to the SID because when you have someone who is outstanding like that off the field, you know that on the field is great. That's all great and awesome. But you have this outstanding person, the juxtaposition of the fact that he's from Boston. He has this thick accent. He's all the way in California and he is out there. He's the, the grandpa, the veteran of the group, so to speak. And it's just a really incredible story. And we got to ask, ask about his dad, his dad, Joe, and the contributions that he made to his community and to his family. And we tried to, I think we tried to honor him a little bit. And it sounds like Joe tries to honor his dad in everything that he does. Yeah, I, I can't imagine. You know, I can't imagine at that young of an age losing your father and, and not in the line of duty, you know, doing what he loved most, vacationing with his wife, you know, traveling, spending that, that money that he's earned to go travel with the people that he loves. Joe, Joe, great get by you. And on the opposite end of that intense Massachusetts grind, that half Italian, half Irish Joe Lamuccio, you've got my neck of the woods, a Californian. <laughs> and uh, Lucas Gordon, who chooses to go from California L.A., baby. I mean, right there, Notre Dame, where Hunter Green went to Texas uh, to go at Texas, to deal with Texas. I think what I love the most is how he got his head handed it to him his freshman year and his first two outings. I mean, bad, like first college outing, didn't get an out and then reeled off six in a row, six great scoreless outings in a row. And I'm most intrigued in how he did that. He gave us a very light answer initially. That wasn't good enough for me because I think you can learn from how someone digs out of that hole. Uh, give me more of Lucas Gordon. Give me a whole podcast devoted to him. He loves to give and take. You can poke each other back and forth. Um, well done on the California guy that goes to Texas. You loved the Cali vibes, didn't you? You're into that. Love it. Love it. Yes, absolutely. I think it's great. I think it's great because, you know, the, oh, I just, you know, I, I you know, I just wanted to be one of the guys and I, that was unacceptable. Well, then how did you do it? And And his how was deep. I mean, you know, the word mentals, I'll never use it because I'm not, you know, woke enough and, and modern enough to use it, but he used it. And I was dialed in. I got what he was talking about. He talked about his mind as much as his body. And I thought that was cool. 
It was really cool. And this stood out because Texas's staff, their pitching staff has been unbelievable so far this season. So I, I dug a little bit deeper into some of the names and the guys and Lucas Gordon struck me the, the fact that he's the Cali kid who goes to the South. He says, y'all, he, he owns a pair of cowboy boots. He, he'll tell us about that. He tells us the story Tired. and it's guaranteed to make you laugh. I promise you that. But <laughs> I thought this kid was so cool and just contributing to a staff who obviously had their heart broken at the college world series. And they're coming back for more this year. I think they can go a long way, but it was the staff that, that drew me to getting Lucas Gordon. His best friend, by the way, a New York met, you'll have to listen to find out who it is. And he and that New York met worked well together during the pandemic. So there you have it as part of the, the rollout of perfect game, college baseball, brand new streaming show was for years on Sirius XM on ESPNU. It's a streaming show. Now we rolled out our first edition. Uh, we're going to share the audio uh, of, uh, of a great interview and it's Hunter Pence. We roll it out each and every Wednesday. We roll out the baseball at noon Eastern each and every Wednesday. Brand new interview-driven show hosted by uh, Hunter Pence and myself. It's an honor. But Steve Trout, sorry, Texas. Steve Trout, the head coach of Texas State. Uh, and by the way, they beat Texas. They split with them. It was a 9-8, 9-8 loss. And then they beat them in Austin. So Steve Trout, the head coach of Texas State, he and Hunter played at the same junior college Incredible conversation. Real quickly on Texas State, they have more wins against Q1, Quad 1, if you're into the RPI. That's teams that are ranked 1 through 50. They have more wins than anybody in the country. They're 7-3, and three, one against Wichita State, one against Utah Valley University. As a matter of fact, three of them against UVU, 2-1 and one against Arizona, 1-1 one and one against Texas. And, oh, by the way, Ohio State's a, a power five. They're not inside that top 1-50. to 50. They swept Ohio State, and I mean swept them bad. So Texas State is a mid-major team. It ain't just Paul Goldschmidt's old school anymore. These dudes can ball. So Hunter Pence, Steve Trout, also on this show. Talk about the timing of that. That is impeccable. I like the to Pence think effect. I call it the Pence effect. <laughs> the Pence effect. The timing of that could not be better. I am excited to weave this into the storyline. College baseball has not disappointed us at all. It just continues to give, give, give. Here we go. Let's do this podcast thing. The Wexelman effect right around the corner. Lucas Gordon, left-handed pitcher from Los Angeles, California, finds his way down to Texas. And the staff at Texas right now has been lights out, leading the NCAA with an ERA of one. Before we recorded today, the ERA was below one. And so I'm super stoked to have Lucas here to learn about the staff, learn about him because baseball is in full swing. And I, I was, I was so excited to kind of hear more about this staff as a whole and what you've been doing, but let's start with you, Lucas, individually. Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Break down for me, you, your freshman year to your sophomore year. What are some of the changes that you've made to your body, to your mind coming into this sophomore season of yours? Mm -hmm. So, um, so last year, obviously it wasn't that great. Um, well, at least in my eyes, um, last year was kind of the first year where I had to go through some like trust issues with myself. That's what I'm going to say. Um, so like they said, your mental is, is everything. So gained a bunch of confidence coming in the season, um, teammates, coaches supporting, supporting me throughout the whole way. 
Um, and like they said, I don't think my stuff has changed a bunch. Okay. Pitches wise, it's just everything in my head, a lot more confidence to help me um, have some better numbers this year so far. Yeah, the numbers are uh, outstanding so far, I would say. And we hear that a lot. Darren and I hear it all the time. The the mental side of the game, you're working on your mentals, but put a like a picture to that what does that actually look like when you're working on it or take us inside your head what are you saying to yourself you know I know visualization and positive affirmations are something that we hear a lot but what what does that actually mean for you um well having Tulo around he's big on the mental game um so he's like I the first outing I had last year against Ole Miss terrible gave up three runs no I didn't get an out and I went straight to Tulo and he was just like, you're just, you're playing scared. You just, you just need to be the aggressor. You're better than everyone you face. And a thing he says is it's me and you mother effer. So that's kind of what I say in my head to each batter um, when they get in that box. I love the edge. I love the mm-hmm. edge. Do you have that same kind of edge when you and your dad, Jeff, go play 18? <laughs> Well, the hundred percent, he, um, I don't get too many strokes anymore just cause he hasn't hit it as far. He's kind of aging a little bit, but, uh, definitely it's always competitive with, uh, when I go out on the course with my dad. Something new for you, right? The, the, the golf and the passion that you've kind of through your dad. I mean, he played in college, mm-hmm. uh, dabbled in as a professional, mm-hmm. um, for you, that's kind of a, become a, a nice escape expound upon you know, golf and, and what it does for you and how much you've grown. And it's kind of carrying on your pop's tradition a little bit as well. hundred percent. So I, I learned golf from a young age. I always had a love for the game. Um, obviously, it's it's very good for your my mental as well, because golf is the toughest sport to play, in my opinion. And you'll go out and shoot the best score of your life. And then the next day you'll play terrible. Um, so that kind of helps my mental a little bit. And then also just getting away from everything and just, you know, being in the nature and just playing with your friends, listening to music. I mean, it just gets me away from everything, school, baseball, all the issues in the world and just kind of keeps me at peace. I want to ask you, because you mentioned it and I had made a note of it, um, last Feb 22, last Feb 25, it's Ole Miss and it's BYU and it's four runs and it's an inning and two thirds, right? And you touched on it already, but then you reel off five straight and you go six and two thirds donut, nothing. Um, How'd you bounce out of that quickly? I know you said a little bit of how all of it was part of the growing process for you, but when you're first beginning your college career and you get punched in the mouth like that, there's something to those five straight starts. They're very valuable or outings. I should say there's something very valuable. You get that, right? Those five straight outings after being punched, were huge for you kind of how'd you turn that around that quickly sorry I kind of lost you for a little bit can you repeat the question yeah the first two outings of your college career were tough as you said right Mm -hmm. um but then you reeled off five straight good ones Mm -hmm. I mean five straight good outings how'd you turn it around quickly and how important was it to reel off those outings I mean watch especially our team was obviously really good last year and you know just being there and watching my team succeed it I was just honestly just sick of not being a part of it I just I wanted to be a part of it so bad and obviously I was celebrating with him but it's different when you can be a piece of that celebration and you know know you did something to help 
our team win the game. So I, I was honestly just sick of, you know, not being a, a piece of, of that team. And I just wanted to contribute. So I was, I just basically said, F it. I'm going to go out and pitch like Lucas Gordon pitches. And, and, and wait, real quick. Sorry, Danny, to interrupt okay. you. I, I, I'm frustrated that I don't have a million dollars in the bank right now, but there's a lot I can't do about it, right? 100%. You were frustrated that you couldn't help the team. It's one thing to be frustrated, mm-hmm. but then you did specifically what did you do? I understand what drove you. You're telling me what drove you. Mm-hmm. What did you do to turn so swiftly? And if you say pitch how Lucas Gordon pitches, you know, you're going to roll a, a, a really smart third person at me because I think it's a good one. Um, how does Lucas Gordon pitch? How did you do when you said F it? I'm sick of watching them succeed. I want to join the party. Did, was it a mechanical change? Was it did you go on a five mile walk? What would you do? Well, like I said, the first two outings were all mental. I was I was all over the place. We have a saying. No, when you go from a green light to a red light when you're pitching. And I was always at a red light. So I, what I would do is I just visualize myself in those settings, in game settings, to prepare myself for the next time I was out. I, I told myself, next time I'm out, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ball, basically. So just visualizing, preparing yourself mentally is what really helped me last season, especially this season. I'm just taking notes over here. I always feel like we learn the most from college athletes, the, mm-hmm. the learning that goes on, it's going to prepare you. But I, every time we leave a conversation, I feel like I've learned something to make myself better. I, I love, I love that. Know when you go from a, a, a green light to a red light and vice versa, how motivating mm-hmm. was the early exit from the college world series last year for your team? It, it was, it was brutal. I mean, I was, I haven't cried. I, I'm not a crier and I was bawling. Um, I mean, cause it's, it's the last time you'll be with that team. Last time you'll be with those guys. So it was, it was a special moment, but also it really motivated all of us. And um, especially coming this season and how good our team is. I think we're all, we're just super aggressive and, you know, we're, we're not going to go out the same way we did. I think it's, it's all the way or nothing for baseball yeah we we mentioned some of the numbers so an era of one you're outscoring your opponents 86 to 18 batting average against you guys 184 from other Mm -hmm. teams so the numbers speak for themselves through the first 12 games some good tests so far i was hoping you could kind of detail why this staff why you feel like the staff has been so good and so strong throughout the first 12 games. Mm-hmm. So earlier in the fall, facing the hitters, they kind of got us a little bit. Um, it was kind of like a, a like a wake-up call for us. And coming in the spring, we didn't have the spring or fall that we thought we would have. Um, so we knew coming in the season we had to be better. We had a bunch of meetings. We talked. We kind of let out our feelings to each other and helped each other, support each other and kind of gain that confidence, gain that edge that a pitching staff should have coming into the season. And um, I think it's paying off right now. And I think we're uh, working to lower that ERA and keep our teams in the, our team in the ball game. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mm-hmm. was hoping you could give us a scouting report on a couple of your guys, Pete Hansen, 
Tristan Stevens, Tanner Witt, you mentioned him a little bit earlier. Give us a little scouting report on what teams are facing. What do they face when they come to town or when you guys are on the road? Well, Pete and Tristan, I learned Pete was actually my roommate last year. And um, Tristan's my very good friend. And Tanner's obviously, I've known Tanner forever. But Tanner or Pete and Tristan are like, they're I they're robots. Like they they don't miss a spot. It's crazy. They don't throw the hardest. They don't have the craziest stuff. But I in in their bullpens, just watching them, they don't miss a spot. And it's funny because Pete, I always watch Pete's bullpen. He's a lefty. I learn a lot from him. And he's like, he's mad we missed his spot by two inches. I'm like, that's a good pitch, dude. Like, <laughs> you shouldn't be mad. Um, and then just watching that translate into the game and watching their bullpens and all their work um, come to fruition is actually very cool. So that, I mean, and then Tanner is just, he's just God gifted. I mean, he's a beast. It's like, it's what we always say. It's like against Rice or Bama. You're trying not to get swept, and then we throw a future first rounder at you. It's it's brutal. Like there's nothing you can do. Oh, it sucks for them, huh? <laughs> oh, it's brutal. <laughs> I have a question for you. I have an affinity for the class of 20 for obvious reasons, and especially being a Californian or a New Yorker in the class of 20, because it was lockdown city, man, and all that you had worked for was put in a deep freeze. How'd you handle 20? What'd you do? Um, what were your workouts? I, I have one question about 19 in a minute, but um, again, I love the class of 20. You guys are a little bit tougher than everybody else and that you're performing this quickly after losing, you know, <clears throat> your senior year at Notre Dame. What did you do that, that 20 when everything got shut down? So my best friend is actually a, a guy you guys know very well, Pete Crow. Um, yes. yeah. So Pete Crow and I basically hung out every day. Um, worked out a lot, live ABs to a bunch of pro hitters and Pete. And he kind of showed me the ropes a little bit with his training. And I have a trainer back at home who helped me a lot. So we just never lost focus. We were, yeah, it sucked. It felt like a long road, but we were always ready. I felt like for it to end and for us to finally go and play. And, you know, seeing us work that hard, for so long and really not knowing when the destination will end. Um, it was kind of cool to see and just having people around me and putting myself in around people that have the same goals as me was really the big difference in that COVID year. So I grew up around the game, right? Out there like you, my father's in the Hall of Fame as a pitcher. I pitched in the minor leagues. Mm -hmm. But there's certain things that you guys teach me, right? We didn't always attack the live AB, especially in a cage a generation or two ago, like you guys do. I love watching Trevor Bauer and his live ABs. And there's dudes that come to Arizona just to hit against him. Um, it seems amazing. Um, that is, that was, that was a big part of it, right? You're dealing with guys, you're, you're going 80 to hundred percent. They're mm -hmm. getting your best. You're getting their best. I feel like the concept of the live AB, especially in a cage really mm -hmm. grew in 2020. Am I off there? 100%. No, hundred percent. It was pretty much three times a a week um I wasn't throwing three times a week but when I didn't throw I'd obviously go and watch and learn and I pick up stuff from the hitters pick up stuff from the pitchers and just again being in the atmosphere teaches you so much because I mean we were throwing you know Josh Dalmont on the Royals 
Nick Lodolo, Blake Rutherford was there. Um, Hunter Green came out. Connor Green from the Baltimore Orioles um, brought out a bunch of guys from high school too. And, you know, it was very cool. It was very um, competitive. And, you know, I kind of got mad when some guys would get hits off me, vice versa. Um, you know, I wouldn't talk to some people for a little bit after, but it's competitive. It's definitely grew and definitely helped me a lot coming into college. That's a thing, man. I love it. I love watching it. Again, Trevor puts it out more than anybody, mm -hmm. um, you know, trying to show what he's working on. Real quick, what happened to you in the Cape? Where'd you grow most in the Cape? We're all envious of any guy, us old pitchers that didn't get, I get Jayhawk League and other places. I never got to pitch in the Cape. What'd you learn in the Cape about yourself? I, I mean, I just learned that I could pitch in college. Um, again, after the 2020 season, I still wasn't right mentally. And going in the Cape and performing and luckily getting an all-star um whatever was um it was you don't have to air quote that by the way it's okay to be yeah, an all-star I mean, you don't have to yeah. air quote it um but it, it was just good for my mental just being able to dominate again and really just know who I am and just remembering that I'm actually better than I thought I was um it was in just being around those guys building relationships I'm hopefully I go back this year if I stay healthy um, but it was fun and definitely an experience that everyone should try to uh, experience. Dude, it sounds like you have the best people around you. I think the last one for me is just the LA vibe in Texas. You threw a y'all at us. So I have mm -hmm. to know, do you have some cowboy boots? Are we learning the two-step? How Texas are we, Lucas? Um, God, that's a brutal question. So coming in, I, I told myself, I would never say y'all, I never wear cowboy boots and I never have a cowboy hat. <laughs> I say y'all, I just bought cowboy boots. Oh boy. They were like, they were like 400 bucks. I'm like, why am I spending 400 bucks on cowboy boots? And then everyone's like, you got to wear them out. I'm like, I'm not wearing cowboy, boy, cowboy boots out. Like who does that? And there's people wearing them. And I'm like, why are you wearing that? But um, I, I don't. I still don't like cowboy boots. I have them, but I don't. I don't like them. And you got to wear them with like boot cut jeans, which I'm not a fan of. <laughs> um, <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know. It, it, it's it's weird. I'm still not used to it. I don't. I still don't like it. Um, I still dress up. They're like you dress so LA. Yeah, I don't want to wear cowboy boots, but it's cool, I guess. I mean, I respect it, but I don't like it. Okay, it's a fair answer. But the hat, you have the hat too? No. Not no. yet. Easy, Danny. I mean, seriously. Hey, I give him six more months. I give you six hat. more months. I don't know. I don't know. We did a photo shoot with Parker McCollum and everyone was wearing a cowboy hat. And I was like, no, it's not my thing. <laughs> you stay true to yourself, man. Yeah, That's I, awesome. I'm, I'm literally wearing an earring right now. <laughs> <laughs> We but love my it. This is my favorite interview, by the way. This is my favorite interview. We've done this for almost two years now. This is my favorite interview. <laughs> I vibe with you a lot being an OC guy. I'm not an LA guy, but being an OC guy. Um, we have more cowboy boots in the OC, obviously. But uh, 
I, I totally, this is it. This was my favorite one. So it's all downhill after this, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> Lucas, thank you. thank you so much, dude. Keep shoving, man. Keep shoving. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Mm. Thanks for having me on. Scout's Eyes, a great segment on this show where we ask scouts to open up their notebooks. Jeremy Brown, great writer, great scout, handles a lot of work at the 13 and 14U age group. That's the college commitment age group for the elite player. He went to an event, a super NIT event at Houston, Texas, put together by Perfect Games' Darren Larson. Nearly a 1,000 teams and some of the best 14U players in the nation. H because his name's spelled with an H, J, H. I don't know, but everyone calls him H because he has an H in the word Jeremy. H, open up your scouting notebook. The Houston NIT just wrapped up this past weekend, and goodness, it was a big one. I mean, we're talking almost 800 teams from the 7U level all the way up to the 14U level. Our scouts on hand, Billy Cruz and Andrew Jenkins, focus, they focus their attention on the 13U and the 14U side of things. They relayed a bunch of names to me, and I want to go through a couple of the guys who stood out and kind of made a name for themselves kind of cemented their place as top guys and everything in between. I mean, these rosters, they were absolutely loaded. You had the likes of Deion Cole, Rookie Shepard. All the top guys were in attendance. And a couple guys who were towards the top of the rankings but really made a name for themselves, Carson Bowman, physical left-handed um, arm out of South Carolina. At one point, he went 9 for 9, 9 batters up, 9 strikeouts, up to 86 from the left side. And that kind of, that came in the playoffs, but kind of set a theme for the event. As Grant Mayerhoff, we've talked about him before, was also up to 86 from the left side. Chandler Hart, six foot four lefty from Texas, up to 84, 85 rather. And the complete package for all three of those arms. Those are three guys we're going to want to know about that have uh, kind of already put their names out there on the map. Um, again, we saw Sean Sullivan up to 89 miles per hour from Ohio. He's really making a, a statement as one of the top arms in the country. Then even on the 13 new side of things, we had, again, some of the usual suspects with Javorski Lane. They sent me a video of him, the son of the former NFL player. And my goodness, the bat speed stands out. He is an athlete. We knew about him from last year's 12U Select Festival, and he just continued to do it. Um, Jordan Griffin, another 12U Select Fest alum that we knew about. He's had a couple of videos already go around the internet. He's not the biggest in terms of physical stature, but the bat speed stands out. The bat to ball stands out. And he's another name that we're going to get to know all about in the forthcoming years. Lane and Griffin are two 13 new names that we had already known about. So is Zane Hoakala, the very first ever Select Fest alum from Hawaii. But we got to talk about his performance. He won MVP pitcher honors. He went eight innings altogether, made a couple different appearances, struck out. 11, no hits, no walks, fastball, breaking ball, changeup combo, all of them are for strikes, up to 80 miles per hour, and he also picked up six singles with the home run. A couple other names we didn't really uh, have much on, Broder Katke from the state of Michigan. I actually got to see him down at the 13U main event showcase this past December, and he really stood out. Again, came out, big event, performed, hit a home run, um, has has tools behind the plate, and Carter had not. He was one that I got a couple texts on from guys that don't even work for us, but were in attendance, a couple travel coaches, or they really liked him. Uh, fast twitch kid, really liked the bat speed. You don't know where he might end up long-term defensively because of the athleticism. I mean, he could play anywhere around the field, but the bat speed, the offensive tools, everything you want in a young prospect, Carter had not possesses. 
I almost want to nominate this man for the, the name game winner right out of the gates. I mean, we have great names on this podcast, but when your name is Joe Lamuccio, I'm so comfortable with you. I don't know what to say. Um, Joe, what, what's, what's the background heritage wise of the name Lamuccio? So I'm your typical Boston guy. I have a uh, Irish on one side, Italian on the other. And uh, I guess the Italians won out with my dad's last name. So I got Lamuccio there. Um, it's definitely been a pleasure to have. <laughs> Yeah, it's an amazing name. It's a great name. So 2021, and your coach stood by you, by the way, uh, at Brown, you know, stood by the team. And it's this is not a conflict thing. It's just life. He was disappointed for the cancellation of your season across the board. You had uh, had, an, had an incredible uh, 19 specifically. You were starting off just great in 20. But then it's banged, right? It's canceled. And you guys finally got your housing money back, all those struggles that you went through at Brown. But then you pack up and you go down to Cressy in Florida. That's the part I'm interested about. A bunch of dudes acting on their own work together, pulling themselves together and pulling their money together and going down and continuing to play baseball where it was a little bit more open. And what was that experience like? You and a bunch of teammates, some other Ivy League guys going down to Cressy in Florida to keep playing baseball. Yeah, I mean, so it kind of, I got a shout out to all of our, our younger guys, our freshmen, sophomores. They had gone down previously in the fall, I believe it was. So they kind of built that connection there and they were planning on going back. And then we have our season get canceled and we're all sitting here. We're like, all right, we can sit here. We can't do anything on campus. We're taking online classes anyways. Like, what should we do? We still want to play. We know we might have a season next year. We want to prepare ourselves for that. That's what we're looking forward to. And so we're like, oh, Cressy, Florida. I mean, it just made the most sense for us. I mean, Cressy's a Massachusetts guy, I know. He uh, has a lot of connections up there, but we're just like, let's do it. Florida in the, like in the winter, New England winter, skip back, go to Florida. So we were like, oh, ready to go. We go down there, you know, get to face minor league arms, you know, like almost even better than having a season. We get to develop, we get to lift, we get to like work with the coaches there. Um, I mean, it was once in a lifetime and we got to go to the beach too. I mean, all of that stuff was, was amazing. <laughs> Was there a part of your game that improved because of that? Games are always best. I mean, playing in your league is always, uh, games are best, right? But there were no games. You had to create your games. Heck, you got to hang out with Verlander a little bit while you were down there too. But was there a part of your game, as crappy as it was, Sut, you may tell me, um, this part of my game actually improved because of that funky 2021? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing for me, especially before, was kind of needing that confidence to keep going. Um, I mean, we had skipped that whole season previously. And so you're like, I haven't played in over a year. Can, do, can I still do this almost type of thing? We go down there, you're facing minor league arms who are throwing hard. They're throwing good stuff. And you're like putting up good at bats. And you're like, yeah, I can do this. And that's kind of something I've tried to carry since then. So that's something that has driven you and you're continuing baseball now at Stanford, four years at Brown, you get your degree in economics. I'm going to have to look down at my notes here. Now you're going for a master's in sustainable design construction, which I know we're interested in hearing about, but you're still pursuing the baseball side. What is it about Stanford? What is it about this group of guys that excites you the most? You're going to get back on the field. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was a challenge. I wanted to challenge myself. I wanted to go somewhere that would challenge me academically. I wanted to go somewhere that would challenge me athletically. I mean, and my process of going to Stanford happened all before they were even going like in the College World Series. So, I mean, Stanford just has that name. I'm like, that's somewhere I want to be. I want to do that. And then I get here and I'm like, 
here we go. And then all the guys are like the nicest guys in the world. Like they could have easily had these egos. Like we made it to college world series, blah, 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 stuff like that. But then I walk in, I'm getting invited to lunch. I'm like being part of the team. Everyone's saying, here's my number. Let me know if you need something. And I'm like, Oh my God. Like there must be something here that maybe it's California. I don't know. California <laughs> might just be nicer. I'm from Boston. There's some people going, Hey, figure it out yourself. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's something that I've enjoyed a lot. And I mean, that's probably why we've had, they've had so much success to this point is because they're such a great group of guys and, you know, good things happen to good people. What is it that you want people to know, or what is it that we can learn about your baseball game? We'll dive into the academic side, but as far as you, the baseball player goes, as far as the outfielder goes, the guy at the plate, some of the numbers that you put up, you were all Ivy first team in 2019, academic to all Ivy in 2020. So what is it that we have to learn about Joe, the baseball player? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it starts with my freshman year. I didn't have the best freshman year. Um, I went in thinking I was this cocky incoming guy. I, I'm going to play every day. I'm going to do all this stuff. Quickly got humbled. Um, they'd also throw off-speed pitches a, a lot more in college than they do in high school. Uh, <laughs> that's something I've had to come to realize. But um, basically, my transition to getting better was realizing don't get so angry at all that stuff. What you have to do is not get so angry that you can't learn, but to be angry at first, let yourself get it out. I mean, it's not fun to fail, but then after that, you wanna look back and you wanna learn from that. You don't wanna just say, oh, I'm not thinking about that because I'm angry about that. No, you wanna look back and you wanna say, all right, I was angry, now I'm learning, and then you move that forward. And that's something that I've continued to try to do um, throughout my sophomore year. I would struggle then I would pick myself up. And it's that type of thing that um, has helped me get to where I am now. Do you feel like, that stems from your parents? Do you feel like that stems from what you've learned at Brown? What, where does that stem from? Because that's a really mature approach to looking forward and not really being bogged down by the things that weren't going your way or having a tough freshman season because you could easily sit back and think, well, this is it. This is how it's going to be. I think the biggest transition for me was say going to summer ball or different other things and seeing other people do stuff that I was doing and realizing like, that's what it looks like. I'm like, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to set that example at Brown. I was, I was like, I ended up being a captain my senior year. So I was someone who like, I'd like to think that people were like watching and I didn't want people to see me and be like, he's doing that. That's okay. And I mean, I think the crazy, the best part for me was I came here to Stanford and guys would strike out, do whatever. They'd go back and they'd be like, nothing had happened. And I'd be, and I was like, that doesn't happen here. I can't do that. So I need to stop. <laughs> like almost seeing other people not doing it made me transition be like, that's what I'm going to do now. So that was the biggest thing for me is kind of watching other people. Amazing to be able to, to, to utilize, you know, as you say, younger people, different people as kind of a it's kind of another way of learning for you. It, it sounds like it's constantly about learning. I'd like for you to share with me and, and, and all of us, um, how much of you is your dad in that sense, your dad, Joe, um, that constant learner, that, that intense player, but yet that's constantly learning to evolve, kind of share the impact your father had in, in being a learner in your development. Yeah, I mean, so just, just going back, the background on that is my dad passed away after my freshman year. Um, so like from a baseball perspective too, didn't have a great baseball freshman year, 
going to summer ball and then my dad passes away pretty early. Um, and I think the biggest thing that, that helped me learn was that, I mean, there's so much other stuff going on. You could get so bogged down, especially when you're at college, you feel like you're in a bubble. Like you're on these campuses and you're like, you feel like nothing else exists besides this campus and me going to the field and playing baseball. Um, so that was kind of the biggest thing for me to just be like, step back and say, there's other things going on. There's a lot of other stuff going on in life. Like this baseball thing, I don't need to make it so serious. This is where I have fun. So let it be fun and kind of don't bog yourself down on the details. And that was the biggest thing I learned. And that's kind of how my dad would kind of go about things too, where he'd be like, say in terms of like money, say, say we didn't have the most money and he wanted to go take a trip. He'd take that trip because you know what? He wanted to do what he wanted to do. And I mean, he got his life cut short, but I mean, he lived it to the fullest. That's what I say to everyone. I'm like, there's no regrets there because he had no, no regrets. How much of his family as a professional being a police officer was your family and still remains your family? Does that question make sense? Yeah, because there sense. probably is no greater brotherhood and sisterhood than protecting those around you and the trust that you have in one another. How much growing up was that kind of your extended family and does it remain your family? Yeah, 100%. You grow up with a, a, police officer, a police officer or any sort of service member's father or anything like that. Um, it comes with a whole community of people who are always looking out for each other. Um, and basically, I mean, continue to this day, one of the guys who I call my almost my closest uncle, he's not even my uncle, he's my dad's best friend who is also a police officer and they like got into it together. Um, I think the biggest kind of story that shows his kind of commitment to us is when, when my dad passed away, him and my mom were in Switzerland uh, traveling. Like I said, they, he was doing what he wanted to do. Um, and basically he took out of his time, he flew over there and he stayed in Switzerland for a few weeks trying to figure out all the paperwork for us and make sure that he got back. And um, I mean, I feel like there's no bigger show of commitment than your actions. And, and he's been for us been with us every holiday, every, his, my dad's brother and sister are even, everyone's just been so supportive of us. And um, I mean, I think that just shows how much they cared for him and they care for us. Well, it sounds like you carry that as well. You know, you've got all these life lessons, you've learned them earlier than anyone is supposed to, but you're, you're turning them into something positive. I'm sure something that your dad would be so proud of. When you play baseball, when do you think of him most? Is it when you take the field? Is it in the on-deck circle before you go up? When do you think of him most? I think for me, I mean, probably the national anthem. And that's only, that's for, for multiple different reasons. My dad was a service member. He was in the Marines and, and stuff like that. But um, that's kind of the moment for a baseball game where you really have time to focus. Like I always find myself, you're looking at the flag and you're kind of in your thoughts and everything. And that's like when you really get to think. Um, I found myself early in my career after, after my dad had passed crying during those moments, stuff like that. And um, that's kind of when I recognize it. And I say that it checks me back in almost. It's like, I'm here for a lot of stuff, but uh, I want to do that for the people behind me and the people with me. So that's kind of and how it works for me. I, I love that. That That's the best answer that that makes so much sense. And it's such a private moment too. I think when, when you are in the media, you sometimes you're, you're on air, but you often get a chance to look out and see 
the lines and everybody standing all along them. And it's a, such a private moment. You're watching them, you know, you're watching the flag too, but you can see out of the corner of your eye how special it is for so many people. Is there something that you want to prove at Stanford? Is there something that you're out to, to tell people and, and make sure they know besides the character that you have, but um, the, the baseball side of it? I think for me, this, the whole Stanford experience, it's less about proving something to someone else. And it's more about, it's kind of just leaving everything on the line. So, I mean, take me back to sophomore year, um, had a good year, thought that I might get drafted after my junior year, thought that professional baseball, hundred percent was in the cards. I was ready to go. Um, things get canceled. Things get canceled again. I come here and now I kind of just want to have no regrets looking back at baseball. I just want to like, I want to practice hard and I want to do all that stuff. And the only reason for that is because I don't want to have a regret in like a year or two that like, I wish I did more. So, I mean, that's what drives me. That's what makes me go to the field and kind of be committed every day is I want to make my play other players on the team better. And I want to make myself better. And I want to look back happy with what I did. To be clear, you still think you're a future pro though, right? Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. I'm not saying that not. <laughs> if, I get cut, if I get if I get things cut short, I mean, I'm I'm just gonna play as if tomorrow is kind of the last game. So if you're watching uh, Lamuccio play and and you have an out of body experience and you and I are sitting in the stands, heck, I'm gonna be calling your game uh, in mm -hmm. Tucson, three games, and I'll see you play. But if you become Joe the scout, who's scouting Joe the player on the field, and um, you know, I reach out to you and say, tell me everything about this guy from the character. We kind of know your character now in this conversation, but you got two deeply, deeply knowledged baseball people. You can be intricate in your description. Why are you a guy who's draftable? Why are you a, a help to a pro? Respectfully, and please understand this, besides I'm a good teammate and I play hard and I'll give you 110% every day. Let's assume all that, okay? Besides that, baseball talk, why are you a future pro? I mean, for me, it's, it's all about athleticism. I mean, that's been my number one thing. I grew up playing, like I said, multiple sports, and that's kind of made me the athlete I am today. Um, those are kind of the intangible things that I have and I'm lucky to have. Um, running's always been a part of my game. Being quick has always been a part of my game. Uh, I'm not super big, but I still have power. That's kind of something that's just been there, I think, from doing a lot of other stuff. Um, and I think even though I'm kind of older, I guess, in the scheme of things, I still have a lot of stuff to learn. And I mean, what I always tell people when I was talking to scouts before, I was like, put me with the right kind of like, there's, I'm, I'm one click away from being unstoppable. And I know that, and I know I have a lot left to kind of figure out in terms of a mechanic perspective, but I think the athleticism's there and that's something you really can't teach people. What's the greatest area within your swing itself that you have seen improve over the last year? Uh, definitely plate discipline. That's something I've struggled in the past. If you look at my numbers, I have far more strikeouts than walks. And that's something that I've been building on every year trying to fix. Um, whether that's watching guys like, I remember watching Joey Votto and being like, I'm going to choke up half the bat. And like, that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to get super like gritty when it comes to that. <laughs> Or it's just like a better focus with my eyes, visual training. I know like there's so many different things out there for that. Um, I've definitely gotten better, but I'm definitely still working on it. From what I understood, it sounds like what you're saying is that you're teachable. 
and you're a good listener and that you're willing to soak in whatever anyone would give you to improve you 1% better right every day. That's, that's kind of what, what I took away from that. I, I love the juxtaposition that you're a kid from Boston in California, and we can kind of hear hints of that accent a little bit. What, what is a Boston kid like define New England baseball, because we know a couple kids who've come out of New England drafted high. There's, there's a certain grit. There's a certain something about them. It makes them a little bit different. What, what do you think that is? Yeah, it's actually funny you mentioned that because the coaches here, they call me the Boston brawler. I don't know if it's because back in, back in the fall, uh, I actually took a pitch to the ribs in a scrimmage and I broke my rib, but I was like, I got back up and stuff like that. And I mean, they just love it. I mean, it's so funny being from Boston and I'm like, I think everyone acts that way. Like, I feel like I'm soft at home, but then I like, I mean, I don't know if it's people are just more relaxed out here, but there is a certain grit to New England baseball because you are never playing in good conditions. Yeah. Brown, it was like, towards the end of the spring, it was still cold. Like, yeah. I was like, our season is about to end and it is so cold. <laughs> like, it's funny, you mentioned Braden earlier. I always give him a, I always talk to him. I'm like, when the Yankees draft you and it's cold out, you're going to be ready for that. Cause I'm going to make you ready for that. So that's something <laughs> I always, I'm like, you better be ready for that cold because you're going to be there and I'm going to be the one making you ready for it. <laughs> Austin tough. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it so much. No, you can tell. And I'm sure that your teammates who from California, from the West coast are better because of you in that sense. I just think that it's so funny that you've ended up there. You said your dream school, um, Let's talk about dreams for a quick second beyond the field, beyond having a long, nice professional career, what kind of impact, because you're getting your master's that's, that's not an easy feat while you're an athlete at a division one school, an incredible program, college world series bound program impact. Do you want to have off the field? Um, I talked about it briefly before. So, so my degree is sustainable design and construction. Like we talked about Um, kind of the two goals off the field that I've kind of set for myself are, I love traveling. I want to travel as much as I can for work and things like that. And then I also want to kind of like help out. I mean, those are two things I want to do and trying to find a way to kind of make my own little section in that. And so my main goal is I want to create like sustainable resorts. That's something that I've kind of been looking at, things like that. Uh, Resorts have a special place in my heart, in my family's hearts, because I know, like after my dad passed away, we would go to resorts for, for Christmas because it was too hard to be at home. And resorts kind of were a place of like relaxation and a place where we could kind of take our minds off stuff. And then like, if you juxtapose that with like, some of these resorts aren't doing the best for the local communities and things like that. And I want to be able to take that good feeling that we have and spread that throughout all the people who work there. And so that's kind of something that drives me in that area. So that's kind of that's what my brain on is now. I'm open for change, but uh, that's what I've been pursuing. I, I never know what the right question respectfully to ask, even though we're almost four years removed from, from you losing your dad, mm-hmm. as, it, as it pertains to your mom, Mary. I don't know what the, the right question is. So I'll ask you this. What have you learned watching your mom, now a widow, what have you learned watching your mom go through cope and still manage to parent uh, in losing her partner? Um, what have you learned in watching her go through it? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely been tough for her. I know um, tougher than she'll let us know. But I mean, she just tries to change all of her focus onto what's still here. And what's still here is her kids. 
And so she puts all 120% into us. And um, I think that kind of shows she's, she's been trying to make it out. She's already made it out to California for like two of our series. She went to Texas and round walk to watch us play and she's coming out next weekend. Um, she's just trying to make the most of what she has and that's her kids. And um, that's something that I learned is make the most of what you have. Yeah, you, you guys feel like you owe her big time, I bet. Yeah, 100%, 100%. What's your mom's specialty when she cooks something tasty to eat? What's the best dish your mom makes? What's the best dish she makes? I got to think about this for a second. It's been a little while because I was at Brown for a few years and now I'm here, so I haven't been home a lot. Um, I'm trying to think. She does this. Uh, she does this mac and cheese that she's been doing recently, and I mean, that's my go-to when I go back. Uh, we love our ice cream. So we'll go out and get ice cream. She'll make the mac and cheese. We'll go out and get ice cream. That's kind of, <laughs> that's kind of what we do. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. Oh, uh, Joe, you're a rock star, man. We're so grateful for your time. I hope one day maybe we can join you on that mac and cheese ice cream train, but I know Darren's <laughs> going to have a great time calling those games coming up, but thank you for, for sharing with us. Like your story is, is incredible, but what you're going to do for baseball outside of it is, is so cool. So thank you for sharing. Yeah, I appreciate definitely for, for you both having me on. Um, definitely stuff I love to talk about. So <laughs> so one of the true kickoffs to the 2022 high school season and in years past for a decade, it's been Perfect Games High School Showdown. Not only great high school teams, specifically around the Southeast, but academies, teams that pull together students that are stepping up academically and on the baseball scene. High school showdown, high schools and academies. Jared Goodwin opens his scouts notebook, the great writer, the great scout, and he saw some incredible players. Another amazing year. Open that notebook up for scouts eyes. The 2022 PG high school showdown uh, and academy showdown was kind of one for the books. So many great players um, that, that really stood out over the, the course of those uh Four days in Hoover. Jackson Ferris had 13 Ks, was up to 95. Tons of swing and miss on the fastball. Just incredible. Davion Hickson then, both IMG starters, uh, him and Jackson Ferris, 15 Ks, up to 92. The breaking ball was good. The command was the best we've ever seen it. Landon Russell, Paul Farley, Bradley Lofton, Tate McKee, all 11 strikeout performances, all in the low 90s, all pitchability type guys with, with good off speed, uh, just incredible. Riley Quick, a monster human being, had 7Ks up to 93. He was great. Some of the hitters in the high school portion, Noah Franco had 11 hits. He was the MVP of his bracket, a couple doubles, 10 RBIs. It was just incredible. Gian DeCastro, another youngster, uh, uh, Noah Franco, a, a 25. Gian DeCastro, a 24. Uh, barreled seemingly everything did DeCastro. Three extra base hits. Um, just, a, just a great performance. Frank, uh, Francisco Capocci had a home run. Uh, also low 90s uh, velocity. A legitimate two-way guy in the 2023 class. And Brady Neal caught elite arms for IMG all week. Left-handed hitter hitting the middle of the lineup for that IMG group, and uh, he was just special on both sides. The academy side of the uh, of the tournament, Luis Rojano got better as the game went on. He had 10 Ks uh, and a nightcap in the playoff, was up to 94, three pitches for strikes. Uh, he's gotten 
better and better every time we seem to see him. Jerry Garcia, uh, 9Ks, he was up to 92. Charlie Soto with maybe the best pure stuff of the tournament, just the 2023, up to 96, sat mid-90s, eight strikeouts, uh, another guy, three pitches for strikes, so athletic, such a quick arm. Javier Santos Tejada up to 98 and actually landed his breaking ball whenever he needed to, uh, elite arm talent. Hunter Sloop, who has 20-plus basketball offers, was up to 94 as well, just kind of pitched um, effortlessly in the low 90s with three pitches for strikes. He was fantastic. Jackson Sosi was maybe the pop guy of the tournament, uh, a Canadian up to 94 from the left side, super easy process, um, spins it fine, it's going to get better. There's big upside there. If he can hold that velocity, it's going to be really, really special. Edward Coppert's, uh for uh, artillery was in the low 90s, tunneled three pitches for strikes. He's a really interesting uh, young 2023 um, with a starter's profile. The hitters on the academy uh, side were, were spectacular. Edward Phelps in four games had 12 hits, seven doubles, and 18 RBIs. Everything was so loud. He's so confident. And we already know about that power that Edward Phelps has. Rome Collis uh, was a consistent performer uh, for the championship uh, team on the academy side. Led the, led the uh, lineup off, um, just disruptive and, and so accurate with the barrel. Andrew Duncan was a big pop name. Um, elite runner, elite center fielder, hit a home run, hit over 500, athletic, uh, an explosive kind of overall profile. He's going to be special to watch. And then Stuart Puckett made his Academy's debut. couple loud games, including a left-on-left homer. Um, in, in a tough spot late in the game, he's going to be one that the Academy side is going to love here. Uh, so it was, it was a great couple of, of days, um, a spectacular showing from all of the athletes. And uh, this event just continues to get better every year. Every Wednesday, a brand new edition on Perfect Game TV debuts Perfect Game College Baseball. It was, for a couple of years, a streaming show. Better than that, a streaming show. Was a, it was a global radio show on Sirius XM ESPNU. We've moved it on to our streaming platform. Hope to find a syndicated TV audience for it soon, like Perfect Game Weekly. But Hunter does a great job. He's passionate about the sport. You know who he is, certainly. He's a mid-major junior college guy. Uh, and this week on the brand new, the debut edition on the streaming side of Perfect Game College Baseball, it's Hunter Pence. It's Texas State coach Steve Trout. His team, by the way, early season, number five in the country in RPI. Here they are. Trouty, I love that you, you say that. And I'm going to call you Trouty because you said that's what they all call you. But I love that you say that you lose on Friday. And to me, the character of a team and, you know, Arizona right now is, is you know, the, the elite of the elite in, in the baseball world, what they did last year, and just great talent. And to take that hit, and, and yeah, you're having a great start, and to come back and to win on Saturday and Sunday, it, it respond how you respond means everything to me. And it has a lot for you to get excited about. And you've had a very tough schedule to be off to such a great start. You know, you're going into Texas right now. But I want to talk a little bit about just the team ERA and, 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 and the and, – and the team pitching, you have a team ERA of 3.09. You have 105 innings pitched and 117 strikeouts. Can you talk to me a little bit about how your pitching staff is built, how they're all collectively working together in, in a pitching approach from, from your staff? 
Yeah, one, you know, they're, they're very talented guys, and that starts in the recruiting process of bringing in really good arms. Uh, but then I think once they get here, what we try to do is we just don't try to make them great throwers or, or have great velocity. We want to make them great pitchers. And to me, that's being well-rounded in everything. And so uh, my pitching guy, Coach Masco, does a great job with our arms of, of developing a plan for each one of them. And uh, I think what makes our staff really good is there's a lot of different looks when they come out there. You know, we've got Zeke Wood over the top that's 90-92, um, and then you bring in some sidearm guys, and you end it with our closer. And so there's you don't never get you never get the same look out of our pen, which I think makes it tough um, on hitters. And so we can match up with the guys. Um, and then we've got some guys that we trained as starters. And so you've seen our closer like Stivers. He's he's done three inning saves at times, um, and then come back the next day because he kept his pitch count down. And so we are all about throwing strikes. And so with our guys, we're trying to get ahead in the count. Uh, we we want to end that bat in three pitches if we can. And so for us, we're just trying to. Um, you know, be on or off in three pitches or less. And so staying ahead, staying ahead, trying to win our, win our even counts um, is what it's all about. And then you add really good stuff with that. Um, you tend to strike out a lot of guys. And so, um, yeah, I've been, been really proud. As much as I love offense, I still coach our hitters, coach third base. As, as much as I love scoring 10, 12, 15 runs, it's hard to win a championship if that's what you're having to do. So uh, we lean on those guys on the mound, and, and hopefully it continues. Yeah, Trout, like – and and when I look at your track record, it's offense, offense, offense. But I had to highlight this to like get a sense of what's going on. And as a as a you know a coach of a of a staff, having sidearms and matchups and closers that can go three innings, work three innings, has got to feel really good. And uh, you definitely got to give some credit to the the pitching mastermind to put that together because it's hard to have that balance and it's exciting to watch. But you mentioned uh, Zeke Wood. I mean, obviously his, his stats jump off the page, and since we're on pitching rate for now, uh, 17 inning pi- innings pitch, 28 strikeouts, a .71 whip. Uh, what's he featuring right now for you? You know, he's got a really good fastball. He's kind of got one of those fastballs that um, it's got good spin, it's got good vertical break to it, uh, but he just gets – I've never seen a guy get so many swing and misses on his fastball. And then when they do finally do, they usually foul it off and they put them in bad counts. And so um, it, it all starts with this fastball command. And that's probably been the difference from last year to this year is he's commanding that fastball where he wants to, and he's ahead of guys. And then when he needs to, he can drop the breaking ball in there, uh, repeat that, and he also has a good changeup. And so um, he's, he's a physical kid. So he, he can go up there on Friday nights and has that, you know, I think in the first two games he gave up one hit in both games. I've never seen that in my, in my coaching career. So it gives you a, a good feel on Friday nights. He's going to go out there and give you – uh, a good start and so he's a he's an ultra competitive guy as well and so uh but to me when his fastball gets so many swings and misses it's tough to, to barrel that guy up and so um he's been a big bright spot um in our rotation and obviously that friday guy's gotta be different right he's got to work different he's got to act different and uh, so far he has been different i mean he even struck out four guys um on friday night in the game we lost to arizona he struck out four guys and gave up two runs on friday night so um he, he still pitched the ball really well we, had, we didn't play defense very well behind him um, and so I'm excited to see him continue to go. I don't know if Lucas is of age to have a beer, but I'd love to have a beer with Lucas and Joe together. You know, I, I think, love that. Um, you know, just the different parts of the country. That's what makes baseball great, right? Um, Joe Lamuccio, intense, the intense Irishman, Italian, um, who's from, you know, the the Boston area who lost his father. So he trudges on his mom, Mary, and the and siblings without dad. I mean, without his hero in his life, tries to honor him. And, and Lucas, you know, Lucas kind of the cool, calm, collected. I, I got to be honest, don't let it fool you, though. I mean, there's an edge to a guy like that that's hard to match. You just don't see it as much. I'd love to have them together. Let's let's just go with an espresso. I guess we'll be family friendly and 
have an espresso, maybe with just a little bit of shot of whiskey in it, but just an espresso. I'd love to hang out with those guys together. It'd be cool. I would love a meal with them. No doubt. Whatever. Very the drink well. Family choice. said a meal. Yeah. Thank you. Slice bananas meal. with peanut butter on them. Yes. That'd be banana perfect. bread. Yeah. I honey. think that would be appropriate. Maybe, be uh, you know, some lobster from Boston and some <laughs> green juice from California yes! mixed together. There you go. I nailed it. Right. I have it right. There we go. Yeah. I will say that Joe clearly is carrying his dad's legacy with him and the idea of leaving everything out on the table. Joe's dad loved to travel, as you said. And so Joe wants to do that, but Joe wants to give his all every day. He never wants to leave the field with any regrets because his dad didn't, his dad passed away doing something that he loved. And so for Joe, he's going to continue to carry that legacy along. It's going to take him really far. He, he wants to do a lot in life with sustainable energy and baseball. And I think it, it's beautiful. And then Lucas, just the cool guy. He's just the cool guy, but you know, he cares so freaking much. I loved your tease that he and Pete Crow Armstrong had the chance to get together and the bond that they have and the impact that Pete's had on him. It's kind of interesting to see two guys who are around the same age, the same age, and one going through their professional life right now and the other going through college and doing the college thing, but still together and playing baseball. I thought that was pretty cool. Hey, congratulations to my producer, by the way, Danny Wexelman. Our podcast now ranked the very highest <laughs> of podcasts that go by the name of Amateur that are uh, Amateur Hour that are hosted by a Caucasian male and female. We're number one on that list now. So just, just thought I'd pass along. Congratulations, Danny, to you. Put that on your resume as your career continues to grow. I will. I'll get, I got a gold star from you. It sounds like appreciate that. Yes. That's, that's some sort of a gold star. It's foil gold though. Not fool's gold. There's a big difference. Our teachers, when we were young, always put the foil gold stars on our paper. Um, yeah, that explains so, a uh, lot. So like subscribe, comment, comment, share. right? Comment, share. share. What else do they do? Uh, review review it please do a review even if you hate it please do a review and uh, and share with everyone else um yeah i'm just glad good, you good. didn't talk about your fit check honestly i'm glad we got through the whole podcast without a fit check on here hey so by the way this this space available if anyone on the clothing side wants to sponsor untuck it love your shirts if you want to sponsor this podcast just by giving me shirts we'll say your name every show and we'll do organic in the business they like to say we'll do an organic read for you um, you know, those ones where you just kind of act like you're casually talking about the amazing shirts that Untuck It makes. Sounds like they already paid you to do that. So let me <laughs> know. Guess. Keep me posted. I, don't want, I just want shirts. <laughs> he just wants the free shirts. Please like the podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Go baseball. <laughs> <laughs>